Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, all right. Uh, if I can continue in that prayer, let me uh, just continue to pray with you. All right. <clears throat> so, Father, we, I agree with my little sister, Jessica, Lord God, and I just agree, Lord God, Father, that, uh, Lord, that, Lord, that we just want to hear your voice. We just want to recognize, Lord God, what it looks like to, to, to be the people, Lord God, that you've called us to be. The people, Lord God, who are centered in Christ, Lord God, and centered with one another in Christ, Lord God, for your glory, Lord God. And we just want to give you praise, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sounds crazy to say thank you for the death, but thank you for the resurrection. Thank you, Lord God, that you made a way back for every one of us, Lord God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, today I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to talk to you about being who most all of you all right, already are. I want to talk to you about being what, what most of you already are and, 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 and at, the, at the very least, which, which every one of you are heading towards being. I want to talk to you about being, about being that person, about not just becoming, but also being and continuing. What person? Jesus' people, Jesus' followers, whose center of being, whose center of being a human being, whose center of being and whose center of relationships with other beings is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about being these Jesus followers whose, whose lives are centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like to call this gospel-centered community. Being a gospel-centered community, it is that in common life, all right, that draws us to reach for one another the way that Jesus reached for us. We need to, to, to be who he is. We need to be who he is right here on the inside so, so that they can know who he is on the, out there in the outside. We need to be who he is inside so they can know who he is outside. Did you hear that? That's our focus today. We need to be who he is in one another, not just isolated, but in one another. so that they can know who he is outside. This, this, this being where, where each individual has a personal responsibility to live and to die for one another. Just like Jesus died for us. Just like he did, he did for us. A life, all right, that, 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 that we need to own on the inside so that it will be understood and believed on the outside all right, this, this beautiful life of one another. And now here's what I know, that, that we're culturally developed to lean into this. We're culturally developed, all right, to like this thinking. But we've also culturally pardoned, all right, to ignore the practice. To ignore the practice. And this is what one pastor, all right, wrote about when he, when he wrote this, 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 this little essay called The Paradox of Our Time. 
He says, you know what? We, 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 we like this life. We're leaning into this life, all right? We, we love to like this life. We love to hit like when we see evidences of this life. But when it comes to practicing it, we've been culturally pardoned to say, that's all right. You know what? It, you can love this one another life, but you know what? You need to look out for number one. And he writes in this essay called The Paradox of Our Times. He says, we've learned how to make a living, but we still don't know how to make a life. All right, we've added years to our life, but we're, we're, we're not adding very much life to our years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we still have problems crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We've done larger things, but we're not doing better things. We spend more, but we have less. We buy more, but we enjoy less. We have bigger houses and we have smaller families. More conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense. More knowledge, but we have less judgment. We got all kinds of experts, and we still have all kinds of problems. We drink too much. We smoke too much. We spend too recklessly. We laugh too little. We drive too fast. We get too angry. We stay up too late. We get too tired. We read too little. We watch too much screen, and we do not pray enough. We've multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much and we love too seldom. We hate too often. We have more information than we've ever had at our fingertips. And yet we communicate less and less Unless this no longer the age of face-to-face -face interactions or even voice-to-voice -voice interactions. We're all satisfied with just texting and typing these little texts to one another and thinking that's good enough. Well, it's not. It's not. Uh, there's a guy, Edward Freeman. Okay, he's passed away now about 25 years. He was a rabbi, a therapist, uh, a leadership consultant. He was, you know, he wrote some really, really great books. Um, but he, 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 he's talking about this, this age that we lived in. And he was talking about 25 years ago. And it's only progressed since then that, that we live in this, this myth of progression. All right? That, that, that we, we believe that, you know what? As long as we're progressing in life, we're doing pretty good. We're leading towards a better life. And we have progressed inside. Yes, we have progressed in technology. We have progressed in medicine. We have longer lifespans. But his, his argument was that we are still declining emotionally and relationally. This lack of true connection, in my opinion, is what causes the anxiety of the planet, the anxiety of the world. I don't know if you've been paying attention, man, but for the past few years, this, we've been living in this very, very anxious time, not just, this, not just through, this, through this, uh, this, this, this pandemic, but, but way before the pandemic, we've been very, very anxious because we're not connecting, we're not grounding ourselves with one another. And if anybody should be about this, it should be the church. He shares this, 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 uh, this teaching he calls the five aspects of an anxious culture. And I'm just going to share with you just a few things out of this. 
<clears throat> because I think it's still relative today. And, I, and, and, and it was crazy because I have the whiteboard that I was going to use right here, all right? And I got the whiteboard yesterday and I was putting it in the back of my truck from the recenter. And I haven't told any of the pastors this, so they'll probably call me after. A uh, big wind blew it out of my truck, man, and it's totally trashed. And so it's out here in the garbage. We need a new whiteboard, by the way, pastors. All right, and so, or Robin or Pam, whoever buys that. Anyways, so anyways, I have this cool thing right here that I'm using this cool thing to operate this thing. Enough of that. Anyways, the five aspects of an anxious culture. And this is what Edwin shares. He shares, you know, you, you, you can tell this has been happening in our communities well before this pandemic, all right? But it only made things worse when, when, this, when this struck, all right? He says, we, we live in an age of reactivity, a reactivity. And I believe, and this is my personal addition to it, because there is no connections, because we're not connecting to one another, I believe that, 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 that you know, we just, we're very reactive when stuff is happening on the outside and we're not truly connecting with people on the inside. What is happening is we start isolating all right, we start isolating and we start looking out for number one because that's what we've been taught, all right? And we get internally angry, we get internally sad and confused and, and, and then we, we, start, and we start isolating even more. But we know something needs to happen, right? We know something needs to happen and the next progression is, is you know, because I think of this lack of connection, we lead into that herd instinct. And we say, well, what's the herd doing? What's everybody doing? Because I'm not talking enough to people. I'm not connecting on such a, on a deeper level, the level that Christ has called the church to, to connect in. We start looking to see what is the herd doing? Well, they're out running by a toilet paper. Let's do that, right? Or let's go and do whatever the herd is doing. We start following into this mob mentality and just following around with the herd. And then the next progression is that is as we go from reaction, all right, to the herd instinct, and then we go into this blame displacement, all right? We just start, we just start to make ourselves feel better by finding someone to blame, something to blame. It's this fault. It's their fault. We blame a country. We blame a, a, a world leader, all right? Rather than going in and turning on a light, we're cursing the darkness. And the only thing that can come out of that is we start looking for these quick fixes, we start looking for this quick fix mentality. What do you think Amazon is just blowing up right now? Because people need to feel better, all right? So I'm gonna buy that and that and that. And I'm, you know what? And we're just looking for something to just, to just make us feel better. What do you think I've gained? You can't tell because I'm wearing black and black is slimming. I've gained, you know, because people, how many, how many pounds have people gained? I mean, I wonder they should do a, st no, that's probably not a good thing. All right, I know that I've gained a lot. All right, because I eat food and it makes me feel better. All right, and now I'm, 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 I'm working on that again. All right, but anyways, we go from this reactivity to this, what's the mob doing? All right, who can we blame? And I need something to make me feel better right now. And, and then this, all this leads to a lack of well-differentiated leadership. And you're like, what the heck is that? All right, and it's a psychology term, but I mean, right? And, and, but, 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 but the fact is, it leads to lack of leadership, lack of people who are, who are grounded and understanding who you are, but also understanding who they are and making connections and leading in the midst of this. Because of all this that is taking place, this is missing. And so what needs to happen? Well, according to Edwin, all right, according to, to Edwin, all right, we need to inject a non-anxious presence in the midst of the craziness that's taking place. 
We need to inject a non-anxious presence, a calm presence, a compassionate presence, all right? A loving presence, an active presence that still knows their boundaries, but yet is trying to go out and create bridges and understanding, all right? And, and, and I put this in here. I put, I've put the church in the middle of this because if we look at this and we think, okay, all right, you know, this, the, there's, the, the, this, this is, you know, one person in the mix can make such a huge difference in the mix. Imagine a whole community of people, all right, in the mix, creating a difference. Imagine a gospel-centered community. And the center of all this craziness is taking place in every place of the world. Imagine your neighborhood going through this gospel-centered community. Imagine your workplace going through this gospel-centered community. Imagine the school going through this gospel-centered. Imagine your family, all right, going through this, you know, a non-anxious presence, a gospel-centered community that is calm, that is wise, compassionate, that is going to get some, 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 some work done, that recognizes your emotions and is not discounting your emotions, but also saying, look, it, I, I, this is how I feel and I believe we can work together on this. Imagine a community of people doing something like this. And I know, man, you look at this and you're like, man, how in the world, man, this, this is, are you kidding me? We're, we're, in, we're in the year 2020, man, how is this? There's, things are crazy right now. Nobody cares and everybody's going for this and everybody's going for that. Not a lot of people are going for Jesus. Has this ever been done? Yes, it has been done. You've heard of Rome? Has you ever heard of Rome? Let me just, let me just kind of just kind of give you a quick history lesson. I'm sorry, but you know, no, I'm not sorry. All right. I just want to give you a quick history lesson. All right. Back in the, in, 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 in just a few short years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all right. At that time, that whole time, all right, during that whole time, the, the Rome was the empire. It had conquered everyone, all right, and just rose up the world power of his time and after his time, before his time, during his time, and a little bit after his time, all right, but a lot after his time. He, it was the world power. And we know that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church, all right, that began with a group of Jewish people began to go out and just, you know, create churches in different communities. And some very, very bold people decided to go to Rome and start the church there in Rome. Some Christian Jews reaching Romans and people from all other countries because Rome was just, just a place where all kinds of people wanted to live. And they started the church there. But the, but, the, but the Jews that were there, the, the Orthodox Jews, were, were, were having these arguments and these battles with the Christian Jews. And it created such an uproar that the Emperor Claudius in AD 49 kicked all the Jews out of Rome. Kicked them all out. Not, not all of them went, but you know what? That was the law. You all got to leave. There were other reasons, but that was, another, that was one of the reasons. AD 49. Over the next few years, they started coming back. They started just coming back. And they recognized the house, the Christian Jews recognized the house churches that they started before they left, that they were leading according to, you know, to Jewish standards and according to how they understood. They had to leave to the, to, to the people who were not Jewish people, to, to, to the Gentile people, to, to people like you and me, man. You know, these are some crazy folks like us. It's left it to us to keep the church going and to keep the church growing, all right, and to continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when they came back, the church was a lot more people like us. And there was, this, there was this kind of contention between the Christian Jews and the Roman Jews. I mean, the Roman Christians. 
And Paul, about AD 57, writes this letter to the Romans, this amazing letter where it's filled with so much theological content, so much stuff that we should know and should own in our lives. He sends this letter to them. And he tells them, look, man, you guys got to, to the Christian Jews, mellow out to the, to, the Roman Jew, to the Roman Christians, chill out. There's only one church, one church. Get it together. Now, there was much more in the book of Romans, but that was also a common theme in there. Get it together. And the Holy Spirit inspired him because he knew that that they were going to need this because just a few short later, years later, Emperor Nero, all right, takes over and he doesn't like the Christians. And what does he do? He, he, he starts a fire in Rome and it burns up a huge chunk of Rome. Why? Because he wanted, to, he wanted the property to, to build some stuff for selfish reasons. Anyways, he blamed the fire on the Christians and then outlawed Christianity and started killing Christians horribly, horrible ways. We'll talk about another story another time. Horribly, you know, just, just killing and, and just torturing Christians. And that became the norm for the next couple of hundred years in Rome and throughout the Roman Empire. But they still had this letter to the Romans all right, that challenged them on what it looks like to continue to be this gospel-centered community in the midst of chaos, to continue to be this non-anxious presence because I'm sure there were Christians that were just going through this. And they're like, wait, 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 what, 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 what? And then, boom, the church just brought this sense of, of, of community, this sense of, of, of understanding, this sense of purpose, this sense of hope. The church brought this. How do I know that? Because history proves it. Not just 300 years later, Emperor Constantine I don't know if you guys know your, know your, your history, three, year 312. Emperor Constantine decides to legalize, 300 years later, decides to legalize Christianity among a few other religions as well. And then in, 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 in uh, AD 325, he uh, has this edict of Milan. I forget what, the, what it, anyways, a lot of words that you probably don't need to know. But anyways, he, uh, he establishes what is known as the Nicene Creed through a bunch of church leaders and begins the Nicene Christian church. Just history, look it up. And you're saying, why is that even important? Because 380, all right, Theodosius, I think he was, Emperor Theodosius actually goes and, and he, he, he creates, he says that I want this Nicene Christian church to become Romans, the Rome, Rome's official, the empire's official religion. And you're like, what does all that matter? Because, man, in AD 57, these guys said, we're just going to do this. Because Paul wrote a letter on what it looks like to be a gospel-centered community. And he says, look, it, it's just, we're, we're, we're in this for the long haul. We're in this forever. It's not just what can we get take care of today. You know what I mean? How can we get through this pandemic and stuff like this? No, nah, man, we're going to get through this and we're going to thrive through this. And God's, he's already winning. We've already talked about that, all right? But it, it is up to us, all right, to be that non-anxious presence, all right, in the midst of all the craziness. This gospel-centered community that is here to change the world. 
You see, when that church in Rome, all right, was, was able to become the official, all right, then began this trajectory and this of, of, of just church history just growing and taking over the planet. It became the official world, all right, worldwide faith, though it wasn't practiced correctly for in a lot of different instances. But here we are today because a group of people decided to live a gospel-centered community in the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness. That's what they did. They were a gospel-centered community and it got crazier and crazier. Men, women, and children lived out their faith in the midst of way more than a pandemic. I mean, they were killing them off, man for claiming Christ. And they just kept growing and growing and growing. What if, all right, what if, man, come on, man. I hope I didn't freak you out there for a minute. What if a gospel-centered community was noticeable in the center of our community, in the center of the community that you live in right now? What if a gospel-centered community was actually noticeable? What if that non-anxious presence, all right, was in the midst of your community, your family, your school, your workplace, your town, your state, your country? What if it was noticeable in the center of those areas? I gotta tell you, it is. It already is. You know how I know? Because it's you. It's, it's me. It's we. It's us. We are the gospel-centered community that Christ has placed in the middle of that craziness. We're the gospel-centered community that he has placed right in the midst of us. The question is, here's the question, all right? The question is, do they know that you're here? Do they know that you're here? Do they know that we're here? Do they know that the church is here? And I want to say, yes, they do. I can definitely speak in this community. They know we're here because everybody keeps calling us. All right? And we're here because we know we're here to bring healing, to bring hope. That's why we're here and we're doing it together. We're here, but my question is, all right, yes, the, the community knows we're here. The community knows we're doing it, but do they know that you are a part of it? Do they know that you're a part of it? We're called to be that non-anxious presence, transformed lives, transforming the lives around us. But we need to be who he is inside so they'll know who he is outside, Right? We need to be who he is inside. Let me just put it to you like this, and I've shared this with you, I think, a few years ago. All right, the effectiveness of the church in the community outside highly depends on the church being a community on the inside. Did you hear that? I'm gonna give you a chance. Check this out. The effectiveness, the effectiveness of the church all right, in the community outside depends on the effectiveness of the church being a community on the inside. Does that make sense? 
I mean, if we, if we can't love one another, well, we're telling everybody out there to love one another, then we're just going to get laughed away. I'd laugh us away. So many times I say, what if we, you know, what if we did, or could you imagine today, I want to remind you, you don't have, there is no what if, you don't have to imagine because you are, all right, you are this gospel-centered community. You can be, all right, you, you can be, but, 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 but you know, I'm not going to tell you what you can be because you already are, you are this gospel-centered community. The question is, do you know it and do they know it? Does the community know it, the gospel-centered community, and does the community that the gospel-centered community is serving know it? In the middle of this letter to the Romans, well, actually more towards the end of this letter towards the Romans, and we shared a little bit with you last week. All right, Paul gives a description. All right, Paul gives this description. All right, first of all, he starts with, you remember we shared last week, be, be not conformed to the pattern of this world? Remember he said that? Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. If you find yourself in this pattern of this anxious world that we live in, he says, do not conform to this pattern any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember he said that? Transformational living, all right, is the product of transformational thinking, transformational being. That's, that's, that, is the, that, 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 that produces transformational living, head, heart, and hands. Amen. And Paul shared briefly after that what it looked like to be this gospel-centered community. His description all right, of this, uh, this, 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 this non-anxiety-ridden ridden presence, it looks like this. And in Romans chapter 12, verse nine, I'm gonna share a, quite a few verses right here, but we're gonna blast through them. And you're gonna say, why aren't you teaching on them? Because God is gonna teach you this week. I got something for you to do this week, and you'll see why we go through these kind of fast. All right, but he shares in Romans chapter nine. Are you there? Father, this is your word. I pray, Lord, a blessing, Lord God, on everyone that you remove the barriers that we hear your word for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember Jesus said this, and we shared this last week too. Jesus says a new commandment, right? I'm gonna polish up this old commandment, all right, of loving one another. He says, a new commandment I give to you, all right, um, that you love one another the way that I loved you. I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. Right? He, says, he says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another the way that I have loved you, he said. And so Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse nine, he says, let love, that love, that Jesus receiving love turn into the Jesus giving love. He says, let that love be genuine. But I need you to hate, all right, to despise, to detest what is evil. He didn't say hate who is evil. He says hate what is evil. And whole, he said detest it, despise it. You know what, man? How many times do we have, you know, things that we hold on to that are evil? I can tell you, man, I don't know how many times. I've been really trying to check what I put in front of my face on screens, on TVs, on movies and shows. And you know, and you know, well, it's entertainment and stuff like that. You know, man, I cannot celebrate what is breaking the heart of my God. I just can't do it, man. I gotta start checking that. I gotta start checking that. And it's rough. 
all right? How many things am I holding on to, man, all right, that I should be despising and detesting and holding fast to what is good? He says, despise, all right, what is evil and hold fast and hear yourself to what is good. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another with brotherly affection. We talked heavy about that last week. But here's, here's a practice. He says, why don't you try this? Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo, I think this is where we get that term, good manners. You remember the term, did your mom teach you any manners? My mom taught me all kinds of manners, all right? And so, and, and because of that, she taught me, you know, open doors for, for, he taught me chivalry, all that stuff, man. You know, he taught me all kinds of manners. You know, and then there were manners that were crazy that I didn't understand why I couldn't have my elbows on the table. I never understood that. I don't understand how that's bad manners, having your elbow on the table, but... It kind of stuck with me because every once in a while when I'm people I don't know I'm eating, I put my, anyways. So um, I don't know if that has to do with outshowing one another, you know, outdo one another and showing honor. But I think it's just a race to be able to be better, to be good to you, to be better than I, than, than, than I am to myself, to be, to be better to you, to be good to you. He says, don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Don't, don't, be, don't be slow, all right? But, but he says, and I think this is where that, tire, that term being on fire for Christ comes from. You hear all kinds of people say, I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm on fire for Jesus. Well, this is what it looks like to be on fire for Christ, to love one another the way that he has loved us, all right? All right, that, that presence of Christ on the inside, all right, created an effective force for Christ on the outside. Be fervent in spirit. This is this boiling hot in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. All right? <clears throat> A lot of times we're just kind of running around saying how, how messed up the world is. All right? No, it's just all that's 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 like just wanting, that's that blame displacement. I, you know, I just want to just curse the darkness rather than boom, turn on the light. Rejoice in that hope and be patient in the tribulation. There's so many of us right now, our patience are being tried because we want the beaches open. We want the stores open. We want this open, man. And I get it, man. You know what? Our economy is suffering and it's crazy. But we have to be wise. We have to be loving. We have to be caring. We have to be smart. Right, some of us, a lot of you, for the majority, can be out there doing all kinds of stuff, but there's a few of us that have to still kind of remain, all right, kind of like just careful and cautious. I'm one of them. We have to remain careful. We've got to remain cautious and patient. And tribulation isn't just bad times, hard times. Tribulations are when things are crazy and insane and sometimes even unbearable. But be... But, but he gives us an answer to this, all right? We, we, have this, we have this craziness in the middle, but we rejoice in hope and then be constant in prayer, all right? If you surround your craziness, your pandemic, your, 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 your tribulation and all that craziness, if you surround it with hope, if you surround it with prayer, it starts to shrink, I guarantee you, as we are patient, as we wait upon the Lord. And then he says, in the midst of this, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints, man. You know, and so many of you are knocking that out of the park. We haven't had, we've been having like 
kind of record giving here at the church because so many of you, I tell you, that's why I say, man, I'm, I'm, I wanna talk to you to, 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 to who you already are. I wanna talk about who you already are or who you're leaning in becoming because I'm not saying you're not doing this. We're doing this, all right? But do the people we're doing this in and the mix and around, do they know that you're, you're part of this? Do they know that you're doing it? Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. That's, that's that, that right there, that we look at the hospitality thing and we're thinking, okay, contribute to the needs of the saints, seek to show hospitality. <clears throat> we need to have a party for the saints. No, the idea of hospitality are for those people who are outside the faith. Kind of a little wrench in the mix there. It's easy to take care of all the saints because they have the same heart we do. You love my dad. You know, okay, cool, man. I'll love you. But how are we being hospitable to the stranger? to the foreigners, the people that we don't know, that we're unsure of. He says, bless those, this is where it starts getting crazy. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. Bless those who persecute you. Not, no, no, you don't have to make them a cake or anything like that, but you can pray for them instead of cursing them and wishing they were dead. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So many times, man, it's so easy to laugh with people who are laughing. But, you know, when people are hurting, we think we have to go and, we, because we can't fix it, we don't want to see them. We don't want to be around them. I can't fix it. I know you're hurting. I can't, uh, let me, you know. And, but, but sometimes people just need you there to cry with them. They just need you beside them. They don't need your advice at that moment. I've been coming across a lot of these lately. And people don't really need me to go in and tell them, hey, here's what this is, here's why this is happening. No, they just need somebody to know that, that they care enough to cry with them. It says, live, this is crazy. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty or be high in thought of yourself, but associate with the lowly and never be wise in your own sight. Don't, you're not better than nobody and nobody's better than you. We know this. We gotta stop acting like we don't know it. Repay no one evil for evil or give thought to what is, he, he says, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. What if people looked to you to see what's the right thing to do? What if people want, wanted to know, okay, this is going crazy, man. Life is going crazy here, all right? I need to know the right thing to do. What if you were the person that they looked at? And they said, you know what? I, I'm gonna look at her. I'm gonna look at him. Because they, they always seem to know the right thing to do. I'm gonna tell you, there are already people that are doing that. There are already people that are looking for you. They're looking to see what you're gonna do. Why? Because you claim this faith that this is just crazy. You claim this insane faith and you claim this, this hope. You claim, all right, this fellowship. And so people are looking to see what you're gonna do. They're looking to see what you're gonna say. They're looking into your example in verse 18, he says, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Again, this is that, that is a well-differentiated leader. Somebody who's, who says, you know what? Um, you know, I, you know as, as far as, as much as it depends, I know you feel this way. I know you feel this way. And you know, I feel this way. And we're going to try to create, you know, peace. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they'll be called sons of God. He said that in, in Matthew chapter five. This is a well, calm, compassionate, active, but yet knowing the boundaries, differentiated leader. 
Verse 19, he calls us by name, beloved. Remember to be loved. Remember to allow yourself to be loved. Remember that you are loved. And because you're loved, you don't have to avenge yourself. You can leave it to the wrath of God because he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. There's a huge difference though between vengeance and defending your, your family and your home. Defense holds the ground. Defense, you know, protects. Well, vengeance just books after to harm, hurt, and get retribution. Jesus says, you don't have to do that. He said, in other words, but, 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 but the key is knowing that you're loved. Be loved. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, and this, this kind of seems counterintuitive, right? He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you're gonna heat burning coals on his head. And we're like, oh, so, so there is a way I can get back at my enemy. Well, you know this. What's the great, great, best way to get rid of an enemy? The best way to destroy an enemy is to make him your friend or to allow them to know they can't hurt you because your hope and your life, your center of being is not in what they think of you, but in Christ. And you'll prove it by blessing them rather than cursing them. And finally, he says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a gospel-centered community alive in the community. Here's what I know, man. We need each other to live this out. That was a lot of scripture. You're like, dude, I could have used more input. Hold on a second, we're getting there. We need each other to live this out, man. I shared with you last week, you need the church and the church needs you. You can't practice this life in a closet. Excuse me. You can't practice this life in the closet, man. This, this, we need each other to live this life. This is what we need. This is a world-changing community. This is the, the community that Jesus sent out into the community, into the world to change it. This is that gospel-centered community, that in common life that we have that draws us to reach for one another the same way Jesus reached for us. Where each individual, you remember, where each individual has a personal responsibility to live and die for one another, just like Jesus lived and died for us. And so like, what am I supposed to do with all this? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to um, take that scripture we just read. Romans chapter 12, verse nine through 21. Romans chapter 12, verse nine through 21. You got that? Romans chapter 12, verse nine through 21. I want you to take that scripture and I want you to, to at very least read it twice a day. You're like, wait a second. For the next seven days until we get together next week and we're gonna go even crazier next week. All right, I want you to take Romans chapter 12, all right, verse nine through 21. I want you to read it once in the morning and once in the evening with a filter of three questions. Are you ready for the three questions? I want you to read it. Okay, first thing in the morning, Romans chapter nine, verse nine through 21. 12, verse, chapter 12, verse nine through 21. Read it once in the morning. All right, prepare your day, pray through it, pray through it. Ask God to lead you. And then in the evening, I want you to ask these three questions. Where today was I most distant 
from this word. I want you to read it again in the evening. In the morning, take off, do your thing, bring it with you, whatever you want. You can read it all day, it'd be great. But in the evening, I want you to challenge yourself. As you read this scripture again, ask three questions. Where today was I most distant from this word? Where was I most distant from this? Most distant. Where? Today. Reflect on that. And then I want you to think, where was I most connected what instances throughout the day was I most connected? Where was I most distant? Where did I just kind of like put this to the side? And where did I gravitate towards this this week, today? And then the final question is, what needs to change tomorrow? And then I want you to get up and read it again in the morning. Get up and read it again in the morning. And then that following evening, where was I most distant today? Where was I most connected? what needs to change tomorrow. We're called to be that non-anxious presence in the world, right? A real life, in-action life, an in-action gospel-centered community in the community. But we gotta remember that the effectiveness of the church in the community highly depends on us being the church, being a community on the inside. We need to be who he is on the inside so that they can know who he is on the outside. Father, I give you the praise. I give you the glory, Lord God. And Father, I just want to say thanks. I just want to say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for an opportunity, Lord God, to know you better. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to get closer to you. Thank you, Father, for revealing, maybe even on a deeper level, of where we're at with you and even just about as important where we are with one another. So guide us, Lord God, for your glory in Jesus' name.